You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop! Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil, and I'm once again in an empty studio with empty chairs and, uh, frankly, empty feelings. Um, but uh, we're still dealing with uh, the <laughs> the self-isolation here uh, in Illinois. Um, you might be hearing this and everything uh, could be back to normal. If it's not, um, just kind of letting you know up front that the sound might be a little bit different because everyone's coming to us from Skype. Uh, so we'll get to them. But uh, thank you to everyone for your continued support and all the great messages and interactions on the crop on Facebook. Uh, it's keeping everything very lively. And there's so many great uh, trivia streams going on. So it's like trivia never left. And it's even more accessible now. So um, happy to be a part of that. Uh, but uh, let me uh, introduce first uh, Matt uh, out in LA. How's it going? Oh, it's good out here. Good as uh, usual. And now uh, we we heard uh, a while back that uh, your fridge caught on fire. Is everything normal? It's still on fire. I decided not to put it out. Actually, that's okay. just how my apartment's going to be from now on. So your apartment it's is fine. slowly burning away. Yeah, very slowly. All right. Uh, well, that uh, hopefully uh, won't take too too long to burn. Then I guess. Um, Jeff, how are you doing? Uh, you're coming to us from Skype as well. I know, I am. It's kind of weird. Uh, I'm doing pretty well, all things considered, but yeah, it's it's kind of weird not being in the studio. I miss it. He was still late. Why don't you tell that story, Jeff? <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> I'm always late to basically all of our recordings by like five minutes, which is about as far as I live from the studio. So, mm-hmm. And uh, currently, I'm at home, and I still can't be on time. Yeah. Um, so, this time I was 10 and- minutes late. And the special keys that I made you, you always forget. So I yep. still have to open the door anyway. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, I usually have to have Neil let me in the studio. So. Uh, well, your uh, your Musk is uh, is missed, but um, uh, we're very excited uh, for our two guests here. Uh, first, I will introduce uh, our guest who's going to be playing with Matt today. Uh, she's a United States champion, and uh, she's coming to us from Washington, D.C., and that's Jane Carmichael. How's it going? Good. How are you? Doing well. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. You told us before that you bought a special headset for today's recording, which was really awesome. But uh, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself? So my name is Jane. I live outside of Washington, D.C. on the Maryland side where the cool people live. <laughs> and and um, by day, I, I do um, analytics and study people and movement of goods. 
and <laughs> very big. I like it. <laughs> yes, and um, like I have uh, hobbies that include drywalling and tiling and just doing construction around my home and and for my friends. Yeah, you're, you're a real uh, Renaissance woman uh, from what we've been talking about before <laughs> we started recording. Uh, I I suppose I don't think I've ever been referred to that way before, but. We're it trying to bring like it. Well, now you have so. Yeah, we're trying to bring it back, and it's not just because of the Danny DeVito movie, but we're trying to call people Renaissance people now. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm on. I'm onto it. Oh, good. Uh, and uh, our next special guest uh, is a cruiserweight champion on Patreon uh, as well, and uh, one of our favorite people. We've we've known him for a long time, uh, and his uh, special teammates. And I'm sure he'll talk about uh, who we also love, but uh, uh, someone who we're very excited to play uh, his game, and that is Dan Lundberg from Locust, North Carolina. How's it going, Dan? I'm doing great. Um, I trust everyone else here is as well. Hanging in there. Yeah. Th- again, thanks for having me on. I, I I love doing this, and this is going to be the first time I've hosted, so I'm uh, I'm really excited about this game. Yeah, we're we're really uh, really pumped up for it. Um, we uh, always love uh, going to you for uh, board game info, and and also just either playing trivia or uh, having you involved and getting a chance to interact uh, in person too. So, uh, anything uh, that you've been up to since we've seen you at Geek Bowl? Um, I've been quarantined since uh, you've seen me, basically. <laughs> Actually, I, I'm still working, which is uh, which is kind of strange. But I'm I work in a um, in a school that's closed, in a mobile unit by myself. Oh wow! So <laughs> I've I've been going stir crazy. Um, so when I come home, I take over for my wife, who's been working from home with the kids, and I'll uh, take the kids off of her hands and. Um, mm try to get my social activity in there well we're happy that we can uh we can be here to uh give a little bit of a break and and have you uh try to stump us um yeah we're so thank you very much to both of you as well jane and dan for supporting us on patreon it uh really means a lot and uh it helps us uh, keep the show going all right well uh i think jeff let's be a team you and i um you did mention not on the recording but that you were late because you were napping um, and since you do like to nap, um, how about we be, um, Jeff naps periodically. That'll be our, our name. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. Matt, what do you think? Yeah. So we were talking earlier, uh, Jane was mentioning how excited she was to not be wearing makeup on a daily basis. And uh, I think we're just going to be the quarantine beauty routine. I think that rhymes. That's quarantine fine. beauty routine. I like it. Uh, I know I didn't mention Ken. Ken is not here. He's not Skyping in. Uh, Ken actually... Uh, got... Does Ken own a computer? Is that the problem? Do we have to well, I think send him one? Ken uses... Jeff, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know what it's called, but uh, uh, Ken uses one of those things where there's like little beads and you do math with them and they used to do it in like... Yeah, Abacus. T- Abacus. Abacus. Abacus, thank you. Abacus Finch. Uh, that is not a character. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm thinking of that, that Genesis album. Yeah, yeah, the Genesis album. But uh, Ken um, has gone into manufacturing abacuses because he thinks that all the computers are going to go away like Y2K. So if you need an abacus, uh, reach out to Ken. Well, that's good. He needed a new job, so I'm glad he found one. There you go. Uh, well, let's throw it to the rules guy uh, who uh, is also quarantined, and uh, let's see how he sounds today. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. The cream of the crop! Um, Dan, uh, feel free to take it away. We're super excited to play. 
All right. Well, uh, let's just jump right into it. Um, question one in the category of, well, it's catchy. I'll grant you that. Pop Goes My Heart is a song by the fictional band Pop, which is fronted by the equally fictional Alex Fletcher in this 2007 rom-com. Jeff, I can mm. uh, I can lock us in if you want to let them talk. Perfect. <laughs> of course. Okay. Pop Goes My Heart. Was it like a Jack Black movie? Or... or maybe he he locked in pretty quick. So I'm thinking maybe um, was there a there's a, maybe an Amanda Bynes movie? <laughs> like, um, just because I locked in right away, you're like, oh, it's totally Amanda Bynes. That's exactly. She's, right. all, she's, all, she's all that. Yeah. Uh, um, Alex all right. Fletcher. It's like such a British name, doesn't it? Yeah. Or, um, like, and the band's name Alex? is Pop. Pop. So is that kind of like a playoff wham? I think. Which is I kind think, of like 80s, maybe? Well, I definitely think that music and lyrics is a is a movie from that era. And I know it's about music. And I was going to see it, but instead I went and saw Norbit, which was the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, think, I, think, I think we can, we should lock in with music and lyrics. All right, I'm good with it. Uh, okay. This is a fun um, romantic comedy, because as everyone knows, I love romantic comedies. Uh, I just watched it again recently. Uh, it's deals with a band that's very similar to Wham and an aging songwriter uh, played by Hugh Grant. And it'll be music and lyrics. Your correct answer is music and lyrics. And um, you had you guys were pretty much dancing all over the entire plot of it there. So uh, yep. no one has to go see it now. <laughs> yeah, we, we went to the theater to see um, that Jim Carrey movie, The Number 23. And we went to the wrong theater. And Norbit and music and lyrics were playing. And everyone went to see music and lyrics. And I said, I think I'm going to see Norbit. So... <laughs> And that's what I did. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, question number two in the category of a rose by any other name. James Earl Jones is the iconic voice of Darth Vader. However, he was not George Lucas's first choice to play the villain. Um, which legend of film and radio did Lucas ultimately pass on <laughs> for fear that his voice would be too recognizable? Okay. So you're locked in. Uh, Jane, you were thinking the guy from the Thriller song is what you we're thinking. I feel like I've heard that somewhere before, um, but I'm not entirely sure on it. I know that he had done something popular around that time, and his voice is very recognizable, and mm -hmm. I thought that it was because he had done Thriller. Gotcha. So my first thought was they said it's somebody famous um, from film and radio, oh, and radio. one of the most famous radio voices was War of the Worlds with Orson Welles. And I would think that his voice would be too recognizable if they made him Darth Vader. Like, I honestly That's... don't know. So I'm, I'm happy with whatever. <laughs> okay. So we're going to lock in with Orson Welles. Ah, uh, yeah. We, uh, we said uh, Orson Welles. All right. Well, the voice that uh, George Lucas thought would be way too recognizable to everybody was, in fact, Orson Welles. Very good job. <laughs> Although I really want to hear Vincent Price say, Luke, I am <laughs> your father. Vincent Price, that's his name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I might be getting confused with something else they wanted Vincent Price to do, but they were like, nah, too scary, or something yeah. like that. Mm, if only we had Ken here for his Orson Welles impressions. Yeah, I, I did a very Im poor impersonation of the opening to the Paul Massand commercial that we talk about, <laughs> basically, ad nauseum. Every single so, episode, yeah. Yeah, it gets cut usually, but... <laughs> it's there. All right, question number three in Dude, Do You Even Eurovision? Mm -hmm. Swedish superstars ABBA had four songs reach the top 40 whose title consists of only one word. 
I want you to name two of them, keeping in mind that initialisms and hyphenated words do not count toward this total. Jeff, um, I don't know much about uh, ABBA either. I did remember seeing a post about this, about Eurovision, and there was like a song that was like started with an H or shelter or something, or um, didn't they do that song, um, uh, Changes, right? Like, uh, change your mind, right? Isn't that Take a Chance? Or take a chance. Oh, you're right. I'm thinking of David Bowie. Yeah, take a chance. Um, maybe we just tap Jeff because I I think it's like shelter or something with an H, and I can't. I there's no way I'm going to come up with it. I mean, you can guess shelter. I don't have a problem with that. Okay. Do we have to guess two though? Uh, we need two. Yeah. Um. How about shelter and um. Happy. I don't know. That Pharrell song was a cover. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. And, and he stole it from another person. Yeah. <laughs> It turns out Jane is a big ABBA fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My mom and I took a road trip to California, and she forgot to pack uh, music <laughs> into the car. And the only album we had was ABBA Gold. And so it was on loop from Seattle to uh, Orange County <laughs> the whole way. It's quite a drive. So I know a lot of, of ABBA information and songs. Yeah, so we locked in quickly. I said Fernando. I'm pretty sure that's one. And then uh, you said Waterloo for the other one. I said Waterloo. I think that went pretty high in the in the mm-hmm. charts, and it's also got one word. So yep, Fernando and Waterloo. All right. Well, the uh, four songs are Chiquita, Angel Eyes, which is all one word for some reason, Fernando. And Waterloo. Very good job. <laughs> nice job. Right. It's so funny when you mention that. Now I remember the the post I saw was a trivia question, I think, asking what uh, what uh, famous battle was ABBA a fan of or something like that. Now that totally makes sense. <laughs> All right. Question number four in the category of here's the thing. In between stints of playing policemen on series on ABC and FX in the 90s and 2000s, what actor flexed his comedy chops on the short-lived NBC sitcom Daddy-O? Um, we're locked in. Oh, you're locked in. Okay. So, Jeff, you said Michael Chiklis, which is a good... Yeah, I thought he did something a little outside of the more dramatic cop roles, but I, I, I can't remember if it was him. I definitely remember something. Well, it's... Something a... on uncommon that he did i do like your answer regarding the fx of it all because he was on the shield obviously and then he was on um, right uh and i'm completely blanking on the cop show he was on before that but um but the thing that oh wait this all makes sense now dan is dan is a genius here at writing this game i was going to put alec baldwin because the category was here's the thing and that's the name of alec baldwin's podcast but Oh. Michael Chiklis also played the thing in Fantastic Four, so we're going to lock in with Michael Chiklis. Oh, wow, all those things make me feel a lot better about locking in with Michael Chiklis right away. So he said <laughs> Michael Chiklis. All right, yes, on um, on FX he did uh, star in the show The Shield, and on ABC he was in The Commish. Commish, and that would be the thing himself, Michael Chiklis. Very nice. good. Uh, before I go on, I just want to uh, go ahead and say um, thank you to a few people that helped with the um, the the categories and things like that for this uh, for this round. Uh, Phil Sanford and Scott Barber and um, Steve Bonneman all helped out with that, mm. and and actually um, 
Mike Cameron actually wrote that last question. So I don't want to take all of the uh, all of the credit for that. So <laughs> that's no, why there was a comic clue in there. Exactly. That was a great, great, great question, Mike. Uh, and why not? You said Mike, Phil, uh, and uh, do you want to just shout out the other uh, members of the Sinister Six who we love? Well, yeah. I mean, and, um, the other ones who weren't uh, who weren't able to uh, take the time to uh, listen to this game with me was um, uh, Wesley Wells um, and Jeffrey Seguritan were not able to come on the show. Um, the show. We're able to. I mean, I called. I call my uh, my, my game. <laughs> they can come on the show whenever the show. they want. Yeah, no, they weren't able to, to show up for that, but um, everybody else um, helped out with that. So, and then Steve Bonneman, who is a uh, a friend of the team, who uh, helps us out a lot, um, fills in every once in a while when we when we need somebody. So, all right, question number five. In well, that's a terrible Christmas gift idea. Which popular culinary fruit comes in such varieties as Williams, Comus, Concord, and Anjou? Okay, so um, obviously we both heard Concord and went to Grape. Um, that was the first thing we thought. Um, but the last thing, the Anjou, I think I think that's a type of pear. I yeah. have never heard of that or any other pear variety. I thought green was the only pear. <laughs> um, I'm so. a big pear guy, so I know there's, there's Bartlett and there's a bunch well, of there different there are Bartlett pears, pears. yeah. So I think that we should go with pear. Okay. Pear it is. Yeah, Jeff and I, our guts, uh, we might have fallen into the trap, but uh, we both went to grape, and uh, we said grape. All right. Well, the other varieties that I did not mention are also the bosque and the bartlett. It is the pear. All right. Nicely done. At Jeff Knapp's periodically, we have 30 points. Uh, how about you, Matt? Uh, perfect so far, so 50 points. Oh, all right, we got some catching up to do. All right, let's move on to question number six in That Don't Make No Sense. Salvador Dali, Marcel Duchamp, and Max Ernst are just a few of the artists that are associated with this movement that is characterized by a rejection of capitalism and the wide use of nonsense and protest. Yeah, I know he was affiliated with a few things, um... The other one that, that I feel very strongly about, I know he was uh, part of Dadaism. I don't know much about that. And I don't know anything about Cubism. And I know that those are the ones associated with Dali. Um, um, I kind of like the, the uh, Dada, um, Dada one because I feel like uh, one of those names really sounds familiar. Like he made an art piece that with like a toilet, but I could be way off on that. Um, <laughs> But, oh, Duchamp? Duchamp, yeah, Duchamp right? did that. It was like a urinal or whatever. Okay, so. and I think that was part of this movement then about the capitalism thing. So maybe that is the, is it Dadaism you said? Uh, yeah, those, and those are the ones that I know he was associated with. Um, but I don't remember which one's which. So. And then if the art supplies were uh, paid for by someone else, it was sugar Dadaism or no? <laughs> okay. Uh, do you want to lock <laughs> no, in? I like that. Good word. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Uh, yeah, we'll lock in with Dadaism. <laughs> okay. So... Well, this, I, I don't, I really feel, I feel like expressionism is sticking out to me, but I don't know anything about the, the other two painters. Well, so I'm okay with, with whatever. Yeah. Well, I have no opinion, so we're going to go with expressionism. <laughs> All right. Well, the movement we were looking for is Dadaism. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Never would have got there. Good job, Jeff. Good job. <laughs> I have I have oh, data nice. issues. <laughs> 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 
All right, question yeah. number seven in the category of no, it wasn't okay in the 90s either. If you have ever worn socks with sandals, you had better be either a soccer player in between games or wearing lederhosen, or you might be guilty of a fashion this, which translates to false step. Yeah, we're all locked in. Yeah, so um, <laughs> in the uh, early 2000s, uh, I had um, a two-word uh, hairstyle where the second word was hawk, um, but mm-hmm. uh, for this uh, purpose, it is faux pas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we locked in with the same thing, faux pas. And that is correct. If you have ever worn socks and sandals together, you were victim of a fashion a faux, faux pas. pas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love it. <clears throat> Editorial comments are mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, we agree. <laughs> That's fine. I feel like Question this is well established. Eight. Question number eight is in just don't take a drug test afterward. In The Wizard of Oz, Dorothy and company must pass through a field full of this flower in order to get to Emerald City. Spoiler alert, they wouldn't have made it through if Glinda hadn't made it snow. I uh, love Wizard of Oz. Uh, I am going to lock in for us, Jeff. Perfect. I knew you had it, but I'm good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, the clue comes from the Seinfeld episode of when uh, she eats a poppy seed uh, bagel and test positive for opium. Uh, so I'm pretty sure it's poppy and we locked in with poppies. We locked in with poppies as well. Yes. You can just hear the wicked witch of the West saying poppies, poppies. <laughs> yes, that is correct. It is poppies. Question number nine in, well, it took you long enough. It wasn't until 2001 that this major league baseball team was represented in the hall of fame when Dave Winfield was inducted wearing their cap. I think Jeff has a great line on this, so I'm going to go with his answer, and we're going to lock in. Oh, uh, I am not. I don't have this information in, <laughs> in anywhere. Okay. Um, My first thought was Blue Jays, but then I thought that Kirby Puckett had made it before. And knowing Dan being from Minnesota, and the Twins have not been very good for a long time, I think it's the Minnesota Twins. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, given, given what we know about teams that are really bad, Neil and I went back and forth and we actually had a gut feeling it might be the San Diego Padres. Matt, I'm very disappointed in you that you've overlooked such uh, stars as Harmon Killebrew and, <laughs> um, Tony Oliva and Rod Carew. Oh yeah. But, uh, yeah, we are looking at the San Diego Padres. Mm-hmm. That is correct. Nice job, Jeff. Hmm. All right. Um, Let's move on to the last question of this round, which is in the category of, for the last time, I am not a cartoon character. This Lebanese appetizer consists of mashed eggplant, tahini, olive oil, and lemon juice. It is often served as a dip with pita triangles and seasoning. You know what? Uh, Let's just lock in with our gut answer. I know it's wrong, especially considering what we know now uh, of the categories, but... um... I don't know. You just want to lock in with it? Yeah, that's fine. With me. Okay. We're locked in. Yeah. So we think, so you said that they're <laughs> potentially all the clues, there's like a theme for the round and we've kind of picked up on uh, fathers or dads as the theme because Padres and Data and et cetera. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Somehow it works in there. Yeah. I don't, that clue I don't know. That of course was because Vic Mackey was an excellent father. 
Tabula, tabuli. Tabuli. Yeah, that's a thing. We're gonna lock is, in is with. Is that a thing? Is that it? Yeah. Okay. okay. That's okay. the only thing. That's the only dish I can think of. Yeah. That's not hummus. Uh, that that's from that region. That people dip. I think. Don't yeah, add we... me. It's not from that region. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, Listen to her, everyone. Tabuli, you said? Yeah. Okay. Um, so our answer, uh, we were going to go with hummus. Um, and with the father theme, like you said, we kind of figured that out. Like the uh, or son, Wells, uh, Dadaism, faux pas. Um, and I don't know if this is even a thing. I just know uh, one of the last times that we had um, uh, food, uh, there was baba oh, ganoush. It's a, it's a thing, Neil. It is a thing? <laughs> Okay. It's a thing. I just don't know what it is. I don't know what but baba ganoush. I don't know, know what baba ganoush. So. I don't know if it's papa ganoush, oh. but I think it's baba ganoush. But we just said baba ganoush. If that's a thing. All right. Well, the answer that I was looking for here is, in fact, baba ganoush. Mm. Nice. Well done. Um, you, you, you did pick up on it toward the end there. I will uh, go. We'll uh, we'll walk it back here, and we'll let you know that uh, question one had pop. Question two oh. had Vader. Question three, ABBA. Question four, the sitcom Daddio. Question five was Pear. Mm-hmm. Six, Dadaism. Seven, Faux Pas. Eight, Poppy. Nine, the Padres. And ten, Baba, which is a word for yeah. father. So, yes, all of them had something to do with father. Mm. Oh, great nice. round. Great round, Dan. This could come out on our Father's Day special in June. Oh, that hey, would be great, actually. There you go. Um, at the end of the first round, it looks like uh, Team Quarantine Beauty Routine uh, has 70 points. And uh, we have 80 points over at Jeff, Jeff Naps periodically. Uh, that was a great first round with the father theme. Before we go into the swing round and see what Dan has in store, make sure to join us over at The Crop on Facebook. It's our private Facebook group where we have uh, interactions with listeners, uh, some uh, news and different events that we can post. And lately, there's been a lot of live trivia opportunities there from the comfort of your own home. Also at The Crop, uh, it's going to be where we're going to post our uh, listener sign-up sheets. So we're trying a new format uh, that's been working well so far. Uh, so each uh, two-month period or so, maybe even up to a quarter uh, when we figure things out, are going to be in the crop. So it'll be a Google form that you can sign up to be a contestant or a host. So just make sure to be on the lookout there. And join us over at Instagram, at TrivialityPod. Matt and I have been populating it with different images of episode releases and uh, other fun behind-the-scenes photos. So make sure to follow us over there, at TrivialityPod. And we look forward to interacting with you. Okay, Dan, uh, take it away. What do you have in store for us with the swing round? All right. Well, you know this would not be a game of mine unless I got board games somehow into the um, game. But don't worry. You do not need to know your board games in order to get these. But what's going to happen here is we're going to have a swing round called Geography Board Game Edition. So every one of these answers can be um, gotten to by just the questions itself. But as a little backup for you, if you do know your board games, every answer is the name of a board game. Okay. All right, so we'll start. Number one, a famous Greek island known for the blue-domed, whitewashed, cubiform houses of its two principal cities, Fira and Oya. Number two, the eastern terminus of the now-defunct train line, the Orient Express. Number three, 
two rivers that meet at Shat el Arab and proceed to empty into the Persian Gulf. Question four. There's one in Paris and one in South Bend, Indiana. Pick one. Question five. Located 40 kilometers northeast of Mexico City, it's famous for its pyramids of the sun and moon and the avenue of the dead. Question six. A palace and fortress located in Granada, Spain. Its name means the red one in Arabic. Number seven. Quite simply, the second largest city in Russia. Number eight. A less than official name for the headquarters of the Metropolitan Police Service in the city of London. Number nine. The capital city of the largest U.S. territory outside of the 50 states. And number 10, a sawmill in Coloma, California, central to the beginnings of the 1849 gold rush. All right, we will take a look at these questions and be right back with the answers. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All the answers are locked in, so let's go back to Dan for the questions and we'll hear the answers. All right, number one, the famous Greek island known as known for its blue-domed, whitewashed, cubiform houses of its two principal cities, Fira and Oya. Um, yeah, when we were wrecking our brain, we went through quite a number of uh, islands, believe it or not. And then I think I remembered that this is Santorini. Um, I didn't know. and just Jane said Santorini right away, so we said Santorini. All right, and the answer is Santorini. Very good. Right. Nice. All right, number two, the eastern terminus of the now-defunct train line, the Orient Express. Uh, Neil and Jeff? Uh, I, I didn't know most of these, so I'm just going to trust Jeff. He said Istanbul. Um, I, I had no other reference point, so I just thought maybe Silk Road. All right, well, it did end in Istanbul. Mm. Um, number three, two rivers that meet at Shat el Arab and proceed to empty into the Persian Gulf. Um Matt and Jane. Uh, this one I was pretty sure about. Um, I know those rivers are the Tigris and Euphrates. 
Yeah, we said uh, Tigris and Euphrates. And yes, the answer is Tigris and Euphrates. Number four, there's one in Paris and one in South Bend, Indiana. Pick one. We went with Notre Dame. All right, and Jeff and Neil? Yep, uh, Notre Dame slash Notre Dame. That was our answer. Yep, it is Notre Dame. All right, uh, located 40 kilometers northeast of Mexico City. It's got the Pyramids of the Sun and the Moon and the Avenue of the Dead. Um, Jeff and Neil? When I think of pyramids in Mexico, I think it's Tenochtitlan. That's the only one I could think of. I know that's near Mexico City, so that's what we went with. And I'll leave this one to Jane. She's very <laughs> upset about it. <laughs> we we had a similar thought process where we knew the Avenue of the Dead was where Jeff said, but I have a difficult time pronouncing it. Uh, ultimately, we went with Guanajuato, where there are also pyramids in Mexico, uh, but not these pyramids, it would seem. All right, and yes, the answer I'm looking for here is Teotihuacan. Yeah, I can't pronounce that. <laughs> <laughs> I've, uh, I'll be honest, I've had to learn how to pronounce that because of the game itself. So, ah. yay games. All right, uh, question number six is the palace and fortress located in Granada, Spain. Its name means the red one in Arabic. Um, let's go with Matt and Jane. Oh, this one, no idea. Don't know anything about Camp Granada. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> all right. Uh, Neil and Jeff. Once again, uh, all Jeff on these because he knows board games and geography. Um, I believe it's uh, El Hambra is what we went with. It is the El Hambra. Very good. Yeah, I only got that because of the board game. Question seven. Um, quite simply, the second largest city in Russia. Um, Neil and Jeff. Uh, pretty sure that's St. Petersburg. All right. And Matt and Jane. Uh, we concur. St. Petersburg. All right. And the answer is St. Petersburg. Very good. Um, a less than official name for the headquarters of the Metropolitan Police Service in the city of London. Um, Jane and Matt. Oh, we said Scotland Yard. All right. Uh, Jeff and Neil. This is the only one I knew um, as a fan of Sherlock Holmes <laughs> and uh, the Sherlock Holmes mug that I'm drinking out of that Jane and I were bonding over mugs. Uh, Scotland Yard. Scotland Yard is correct. Thank you. All right. Question number nine. The capital city of the largest U.S. territory outside of the 50 states. Jeff and Neil, what did you say for that? Um, we think the largest territory is Puerto Rico, which itself is a board game, but we said San Juan. All right. And Matt and Jane. Yeah, we weren't too sure on what the largest territory was, but I definitely knew the capital of Jamaica was Kingston, and it sounded like a game, so we said Kingston. Oh, right. I have no idea whether Kingston is a game or not, but <laughs> San Juan is, and that is uh, that is the correct answer. And finally, number 10, a sawmill in Coloma, California, central to the beginnings of the 1849 gold rush. Uh, Matt and Jane, what did you have for that? Oh, no, a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> yeah. All right. And um, Jeff and Neil? Uh, Let me take this one, Neil. Um, so very weirdly, and I don't know if this is like a me misremembering something or just a weird cosmic coincidence, but I sort of remember, and I don't know if it was the episode Dan was on previously, but we talked about a song by Dan Fogelberg called Sutter's Mill. And I think this is this very same. Well, I was not on that episode, but okay. the correct answer is Sutter's Mill. Very good. <laughs> I know we had it on the show before. I couldn't remember if it was one of the ones that you were on. 
All right, going into the second round here, it looks like Team uh, Quarantine Beauty Routine uh, is at 95 following the swing round. And uh, thanks to Jeff uh, getting all the questions and me only providing Scotland Yard, uh, we have 130. So looking forward to this second round. All right, well, the second round, question one in the category of, well, he did go to Harvard. On September 19th, 1995, the New York Times and the Washington Post individually published an essay entitled Industrial Society and Its Future, which was written by which Ivy League graduate? And we are locked in. All right. So, Jeff, we uh, are talking about a few different folks here. Um, You mentioned Al Gore, Paul Allen, Bill Gates. But 95 would have been right about the start of the Microsoft like really the explosion um gates gates i don't think graduated though so do you want to go paul allen sure let's go with that i think you guys were right on the on the right track when you said it was around the time of an explosion i think that this was the unabomber oh oh all right well um this essay was technically an essay but um really is known more as being a manifesto written by Ted Kaczynski or the, the Unabomber. Unabomber. Yeah, great poll. <laughs> yep, great job there. We needed that. Yes, um, we that. did. <laughs> we, need, we need all of them. All the points we now. can get. Yeah. All right, question number two in That's Not My Name. Though he's never actually referred to by either name in the Bible, two flowery phrases found in the Song of Solomon 2-1 are often used as descriptors of Jesus Christ. Name one of these phrases for full credit and give me the other phrase for five bonus points. The Bible's on, it's on, it's in my book queue. You know, I just never get it. It's on your to read list. Yeah. Yeah. It's the next one up on your Kindle. Yeah. We'll lock in, Jeff. Let's just go with those two answers. Dude, I don't know. I've I've sang those (laughs) phrases before and I have no idea if they're even about Jesus, but let's, uh, let's go with that. So I, I initially sent you Lamb of God. Um, oh, which is an amazing band, of course. Right, which is where I got it. These are ones where I don't like to make a joke because then I get the emails. Right, you're, you're going to get terse, tersely worded emails. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's only happened once. Or, um, I don't have anything better, and it doesn't seem like, I guess, super biblical, but we could go Lily really, really I like it. It's fine. Lily of the What'd you guys have? So Jeff, uh, we we didn't really have any idea. Um, I was just gonna make a joke answer that it was uh, like the B, like Big. He liked to be called Big Papa, but we did not go with that. Um, but uh, Jeff actually had a very smart one. It was something a phrase that I've sung a million times before in, in a uh, in a, a mass performance. Uh, we said King of Kings and Lord of Lords. All right. Well, the two phrases that are used in the Book of Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 1, are the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. (gasps) Wow. Nice. Hallelujah. (laughs) I think the king of kings is Triple H. That's who you were thinking of. Yeah, right. Right. (laughs) All right. Question number three in that theory is cracked. While the truth is that it was most likely due to a fault in the original metal, an apocryphal tale claims that the Liberty Bell developed its famous crack while chiming for the death of which U.S. Supreme Court Chief of Justice in 1835. Jeff and I have an answer, and uh, we are going to lock in. 
Okay, so I my first thought was John Marshall, um, noted Supreme Court justice, had a law school named after him. Uh, what do you, what are your thoughts on that, Gene? Um, my only logic was that it would, you know, maybe have something to do with the revolution, but I didn't mm-hmm. know too much about it, so I think that John Marshall is a fine answer. Okay, then we are locked in. Uh, yeah, this is just due to my movie knowledge. I think I could be completely incorrect, but I think John Quincy Adams was a Supreme Court justice, or at least was on the Supreme Court at some point, and in Amistad, he was pretty old, and I'm just assuming with the time period that he would have died not too long after that uh, historical event period takes place or whatever. Uh, So we want John Quincy Adams. All right. Well, the U.S. Supreme Court Chief Justice that died in 1835 and may or may not have caused the uh, Liberty Bell to crack is John Marshall. Oh, nice. All right. Question number four in, did you pay the babysitter? From the You Can't Make This Up files... On the night that Wayne Gretzky learned that he was to be traded to the Los Angeles Kings, he was babysitting what future music superstar as a favor to his good friend? I watched the uh, the documentary about his time with the Kings, so I've seen this. Jeff and I have an idea. We, had, we threw a few names back and forth, so we're going to lock in and let uh, Matt and Jane talk. So right away... I said, I think it's Miley Cyrus. The only thing is, if it was 93 or 94, I can see it. If it was earlier than that, I don't think, I think Miley wouldn't have been born yet. My one thought would be, like, is it a Canadian? Mm-hmm. Because if he was playing for the Edmonton Oilers, then right. likely he was living in the location, I would mm-hmm. think. Um, uh, babysitting and I... um, Celine Dion. She's a little... <laughs> She was him when he was a kid. Yeah. Um, Carly Rae Jepsen. But I don't think that. My thing is, I think it has to be like a celebrity's kid, more or less. Yeah. So that's why I would go with Miley. Yeah, we can go with that. That's that's fine with me. All right, we're going Miley. And Jeff, do you want to take it? Uh, So yeah, we didn't know. We thought maybe it was somebody's kid who was famous, but we couldn't quite pull that angle. So we just went to somebody who we thought might be a baby at the time he got traded, and we said Carly Rae Jepsen. All right. Well, no points this time, Mm -hmm. but Matt and Jane, you have no idea how close you were on this Ah. one. Um, Billy Ray Cyrus was born in Kentucky. He is not Canadian. However... Robin Thicke. Oh, I thought of that. Is oh. very, very much Canadian and very, very much associated with Miley Cyrus. And oh, he was yeah. being babysitted, babysat by Wayne Gretzky the night he was traded. We picked the wrong end of the twerking. Damn it. That's okay. I had thought about, like, he had crossed my That's mind. Very but I thought that line. she was too old. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, Jeff. Good on, good on you, Jeff. All right, question number five in Dollar Dollar Bills, y'all. According to stuffy actor John Houseman in a 1986 commercial, which which former investment firm made money the old-fashioned way? They earned it. He emphasized former, former. so it's probably one of the ones that fell apart in the um, the bank collapse of, oh, it seems so long ago now with all the other things that are going on. He said 1985. Yeah. Not really watching TV at that point in, in my no. non-existent life. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
If it matters, it was 1986. Oh, okay. Well, I still wasn't watching any TV then. Yeah, but... I was. I was one, and I was an avid Elf viewer at the time. I believe that sounds made up. I do not know, and I'm not going to pull this. Okay. Um. Then we're we're going to just say J.P. Morgan then, because it's it's an inf- investment firm. So. Okay. Um, so I only knew this one just from sort of uh, compilations of old commercials, uh, sort of those recap shows. And uh, he was known, uh, he won an Oscar for this movie called The Paper Chase, and he was in The Fog, which I know him from. But I believe the commercial, uh, I could be getting the name backwards, but I think it's Smith Barney. I wanted to say Barney Smith, but I think it's Smith Barney. All right. The investment firm that made money the old-fashioned way, they earned it. Is Smith Barney? Okay. Oh wow! Nice. Might be yeah, the only I one. Never we... would have pulled that. <laughs> it might be the only one we get this round because we've been tanking. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So we only gained ten points that round so far. So we're we're getting beat pretty good here. Uh, we are at one forty. Uh, and how about you guys? Uh, we've gained thirty, so we're at one twenty-five, and we're Ooh. catching up. It's getting close. All right. Question number six in the category of they beat Vancouver once, maybe twice in a lifetime. For which now relocated NHL team did Gordie Howe play to become the oldest person to ever play in an NHL game in 1980? I think we can lock in. You don't have anything on it, right? I have. No, absolutely not. Okay. okay I don't know lock. anything about hockey. Okay. So we can we can uh, lock in. Okay. What are you thinking, Jeff? You can talk out loud. So I'm pretty sure he came out of retirement to play a game with his kid. And I'm trying to remember what team his kid played for. Maybe the Maple Leafs. Maybe it's the Maple Leafs. You go with whatever you want, Neil. Okay. I, I don't know for sure. We're going to lock in with the Maple Leafs. Well, the Maple Leafs are still in Toronto, so I don't think it's them. Uh, the Hartford Whalers are now the Carolina Hurricanes. I think that it was the Hartford Whalers. So that's what we said. All right. Well, the reference for the uh, for the clue in the category name here comes from one of my favorite movies of all time mall rats breakfast schmeckfrists breakfast come and go but hartford the whale they beat vancouver once maybe twice in a lifetime the hartford whalers is yeah the team we were looking for they have the coolest logo and it's a shame that it doesn't exist anymore well they now exist in the carolinas as the carolina yeah. hurricanes oh, sorry jeff mm. All right, question number seven in Just Like the White Winged Dove. According to songwriter and producer Rob Fusari, Destiny's Child's Bootylicious samples Stevie Nicks' Edge of Seventeen because he could not find a copy of what other song that he actually preferred to use. For the record, I can't tell these songs apart until either a power chord or Stevie Nicks' vocals come in. Oh, this is funny. You're locked in? Okay. Yeah. What are you thinking, Jeff? Well, you know how Edge of 17 starts, right? No. Um, is that Bootylicious? Well, you know how Bootylicious starts. Yeah, that would you know. Okay. Yeah. Kelly, can you handle this? Yeah, right? Yeah. Doesn't it sound like that song, though? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, I get what's going on here now. Yeah, so. Okay. All right, so you can lock it in. Uh, all right, we're going to lock in. Uh, Eye of the Tiger. 
Um, yeah, and, and if you just hear the the intro until that guitar doesn't come in, you're not sure, and then you're disappointed when it's Bootylicious and not Eye of the Tiger. Are you? I'm disappointed. <laughs> yes, the uh, the answer we're looking for there is Eye of the Tiger, and I can never tell which song is starting when either uh, until either that power chord or Stevie Nicks comes in with "Just Like the White Wing Dove." Um, yeah. Can you imagine I, Rocky Three with Bootylicious as the song instead? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a little, uh, it's a little different. All right, we're going on to question number eight in the category of Get You Some Culture. If you wanted to see Emmanuel's Washington Crossing the Delaware, Van Gogh's Self-Portrait with a Straw Hat, or Edgar Degas' The Dance Class, you would have to visit which American museum? Um, I thought that maybe it could be the Met. Mm-hmm. Um, that if these paintings are so famous, it's probably somewhere in New York or a very large, large city. Um, so I thought the Met, perhaps. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, I don't think that they're at the Art Institute of Chicago because I haven't seen them, but <laughs> I, I don't go very often. Um, I can't, a lot of times these are not where you would think they were. I think a few times we had they're really famous paintings that were like in Philadelphia's art museum or whatever. But I think these ones are famous enough that the Met makes sense. Um, so you think we should lock in with that one? I think so. I'm happy with it. Okay. We are locked in with the Met. Yeah. We had a similar line of thinking. Um, I wasn't too sure uh, where these paintings could be sort of from that angle. I'm, I'm still going off the theme and I know there were uh, references to this uh, museum and we also went with the Met. All right. Well, they are found at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, or simply the Met. All right. Nice. What is this quiz clue? I can't figure it out. (laughs) That's the only thing keeping me alive, so thank you to Dan for that. So you guys have like an advantage, but we're still getting these right. Question number nine in a literal friends question, like the TV show. Synonymous with yesteryear and olden times... What four-letter word, meaning a long time ago, was the period that Rachel told Phoebe her apothecary table came from, so as not to admit that she had shopped at Pottery Barn? This what, is friends? A, no. So this is the, <laughs> the now weekly time period where I say I've never seen friends, because these questions keep coming up. Yeah, same here. Um, I don't know friends either. And I'm not going to watch it for these trivia episodes, so stop asking them. And I don't know the theme either. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's our, well, that's our lead, so. Uh, Four-letter word for long time ago. This is the worst crossword I've ever done. <laughs> I, so you said your, which makes sense to me. You know, you say days of your when you're referring to mm-hmm. olden times. And I don't think... That we're going to come up with anything else. No. So <laughs> we're locking in with your. Uh, Jeff, you can take this one because um, I, I don't know if it's correct, but I, I know there's uh, another reference to what we're saying, but maybe it's not right. Okay. Um, I thought one of these was in in old Lang Syne. I thought that meant like old long time or something like that. So we're just going to go Lang. All right. Well, that word that uh, Rachel uses as the period that it comes from, she says, you know, it's from a long time ago, like the uh, the days of yore. <gasps> yore is your correct answer. Oh, right. Wow. <laughs> and that was your correct answer, Jane. Good job. 
First one of the day. (laughs) Question number 10 in You Are a Saint. Though it was then part of the Ottoman Empire, Mother Teresa was born in the city of Skopje, which is currently the capital of which country? Please do be specific. No, I remember it, Neil. This came up recently. We were talking about it. Um, I, I remember. Okay. All right. All right. We're going to lock in. Okay. So this will be easier to talk about. So we're looking, you think it's definitely European, right? Yes. We, um, my, my son has been playing a lot of dumb stuff on Xbox. So I was like, let's do something you can learn. And you start out in Europe and it asks you, you have to get through all the capitals and then you go through mm-hmm. all the flags and you do all this. And I remember this being, you know, this is, this is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I can't think of anything What's else. Albania's. Um, oh, that sounds that sounds familiar. It's, I I feel like it's something that that's like it's it's definitely like Eastern. Okay, I guess go with Albania. Albania it is. All right, Jeff, take it away. Yeah, so I I remember this coming up a while ago. We were trying to figure out where Mother Teresa was from, and Neil and I I believe we were talking about the fact that we kind of always remember her wearing like blue and white and we knew those were the national colors of greece so we guessed greece but we were wrong but we weren't far off and i remember since dan said be specific macedonia had an issue with greece was it last year about naming and so they changed their name to north macedonia i think so that's what we locked in with all right well the capital city skopje is the city in North Macedonia. Oh, wow. <laughs> the reason I did ask you to be s- specific is because uh, they have just recently changed their name. Yeah. Well, good job, Jeff. I had no idea on that one. And Neil, where, where I just want to know what you thought the uh, oh, yes. so, theme was there. So for the theme, I had, uh, for the, at least the first five, I had Ted, Lily, Marshall, Robin. Uh, I had How I Met Your Mother, but I had no idea. What, and I knew the Met I came to because of they were, I think there's an episode where they're in the Met, but that's all I got. Well, um, you are correct on those first five. If you uh, listened very carefully, you would have gotten from six on question about Gordy Howe, the Eye of the oh. Tiger, the Met, and your Days of Yore, and oh. Mother Teresa. Oh my God. Yes, that's great. Great job. Okay. So... The final questions are going to have these five categories. California Dreamin', Monday, Monday, (laughs) dedicated to the one I love, (laughs) I saw her again, and dream a little dream of me. Yep, Mm. all mamas and papas songs. Well, just for the record, uh, going into this, this final round with these categories, uh, Jeff naps periodically has 160, and uh, Quarantine Beauty Routine has 165, so it could be anyone's game. Oh, wow. All the wagers are locked in. Let's throw it to Dan. All right. Question number one in the category of California Dreamin'. According to the 2008 population estimates, there are three cities in California with a population over one million, name all three of them. And this is city population, not metro area. Question number two in Monday Monday, Black Monday was the name given to a stock market crash 
in which the Dow unexpectedly lost 22.6% of its volume. To this day, it is the largest percentage drop in Dow Jones history. In which year did this drop occur? Is that still accurate? It is still accurate, yes. Okay. Question three and dedicated to the one I love. After being turned down 14 times, what poet self-published his collection and dedicated it to all 14 of the publishing houses that told him no thanks? Surprisingly, he capitalized on this collection's success to publish future works. Question four, I saw her again. Having been put to death in 1536 for accusations of witchcraft and adultery, among other things, this woman's ghost is said to haunt her childhood home of Haver Castle in Kent, England, as well as the Tower of London. And question number five in Dream a Little Dream of Me, the Old Testament book of Daniel tells of a Babylonian king who dreamed of a statue of a man composed of four metals. These metals were later, to ex were later explained to reference four kingdoms that would rise to power in the future. Name the king that experienced this vision. All right, we're going to take a look at these questions, and we'll be back with our answers. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Well, or call she, the police. Or call the police, like she should have, <laughs> exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. All the answers are locked in, so let's go back to the questions and uh, provide some answers. All right. In the category of California Dreamin', according to the 2018 population estimates, there are three cities in California with a population of over one million. I'd like you to name them. Um, Jeff and Neil? 
Um, yeah, so we wagered, uh, well, we went big. We went 30 all the way down on these. Ooh. So we put 30 on this. Um, and we're pretty sure that this is Los Angeles, San Diego, and San Jose. Mm. So we wagered 20, and we went with San Diego, Los Angeles, but we said San Jose. <laughs> all right, the, uh, the answers we're looking for here are Los Angeles, San Diego, and San... Jose. Nicely done, Matt. All right. Question two was in Monday, Monday. Black Monday was a name given to a stock market crash in which the Dow unexpectedly lost 22.6 of its volume. To this day, this is the largest percentage drop in Dow Jones history. In which year did this drop occur? Um, So we... We're kind of dancing between 2011 and 2012 and thought that 2012 seemed like a better year for a stock market crash. <laughs> seemed like a good year, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like we hadn't had one in a while, so. Yeah, I think we may have uh, answered a little too quickly, uh, not thought it through as, as much as we should have. Uh, we went with 1929. All right, well, this crash um, was... Very bad. Very, very bad. Um, It came out of the savings and loans debacle, Mm. and it happened in 1987. Wow. Dedicated to the one I love. After being turned down 14 times, what poet published his collection and dedicated it to all 14 of the publishing houses that told him no thanks? Surprisingly, he capitalized on this collection's success to publish future works. Um, Jane and Matt. Um, this one we had no idea, and all the answers we came up with we didn't like and thought they were wrong, but we had to pick one, so we said Poe. All right, Jeff and Neil? Uh, yeah, we we couldn't really think of a, a good, solid answer for this either. We also said Edgar Allan Poe. The collection was actually called No Thanks, And um, the reason it was surprising that he capitalized on it was because he never used capitalization, and that is E.E. Cummings. Uh. All right, let's move on to a better one here. I saw her again. After having been put, I'm sorry, having been put to death in 1536 for accusations of witchcraft and adultery, among other things, this woman's ghost is said to haunt her childhood home of Haver Castle in Kent, England, as well as the Tower of London. Uh, Jeff and Neil, what did you have? This is solely based, uh, and I could be wrong, solely based on uh, my lo- my knowledge of the musical Six and uh, of Tower of London, but I'm pretty sure it's Anne Boleyn, Queen Anne Boleyn. So that's what we said. Mm-hmm. All right. Matt and Jane. Ba- based on my love of haunted travel shows that I watch on occasion, I'm pretty sure this is Anne Boleyn. And Anne Boleyn is the correct answer. Very good. And finally, in Dream a Little Dream of Me, The Old Testament book of Daniel tells of a Babylonian king who dreamed of a statue of a man composed of four metals. These metals were later explained to reference four kingdoms that would rise to power in the future. Name the king that experienced this vision. And we'll go with uh, Matt and Jane. Mm, We were not sure either on this one. Um, Went through a couple different kings, um, settled on one we liked, and said King Solomon. Yeah, this question is for all the marbles, um, and whether we got it right or we got it wrong is going to determine today's winner. But we also thought this was King Solomon. All right. Well, that king was the uh, king in Babylon when Daniel was exiled there. 
You might know his name better as a ship from a certain sci-fi movie, the Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, Ken haunts us from afar with his uh, Matrix references. All right, well, it looks like after the scores have been tabulated, uh, Jeff Naps periodically ended with 130, and today's cream of the crop with 145 points, Quarantine Beauty Routine, Jane and Matt. The cream will rise to the top, oh yeah. Hey, well done. Great job, yes, guys. We, we lost less points on the final, so good for us. <laughs> that was the strategy. <laughs> yeah. You you both did uh, you both did wonderful, um, Jane. Thank you very much for joining us today and for supporting us on Patreon. Uh, any uh, final words from you? Um, no, just everybody stay safe out there. Practice good social distancing, and hopefully by the time this comes out, we won't need to have this conversation every day. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you. Uh, we we totally agree. Uh, but thank you very much for joining us. And uh, Dan, wonderful, wonderful uh, game. Thank you very much for hosting and writing it. It was so much fun with the, both themes uh, and all the questions were wonderful. But thank you very much. Oh, of course. Thank you again for having me. Um, I just want to uh, go ahead and shout out um, the, uh, the the board game company that I'm working with right now. It is called Twice Alive Games, and uh, we have two games available right now, and they're they're both very, very fun and very, very different. Um, ch- check us out at twicealivegames.com. Uh, or um, check us out on Facebook, all the other places, and uh, order a game or two. They're 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 really fun. Um, and of course, um, shout out to the Sinister Six. Um, you guys know who you are. Everybody knows who you are right now. So, uh, thanks for helping me get this game set, and uh, for everything else you do. Wonderful, Dan. Thank you very much for hosting. Uh, you did a great job hosting. I know it was your first time here, at least, uh, and uh, you're welcome back anytime. It was uh, a wonderful game. Um, and just to throw some links at everyone, uh, yeah, definitely check out twicealivegames.com uh, to support Dan. And then uh, both of Dan and Jane are Patreon supporters. So you can hit us up at patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast to, to help uh, keep the show growing and keep us alive. We really appreciate all of your support. Uh, for Ken, who's making his abacuses uh, for mass production, uh, for Jeff, Matt, Jane, and Dan, my name is Neil, and that was Triviality. John Marshall. Oh, right. Nice. Man. I applied for that school once. What and happened? now, well, now I'm a podcaster. So I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> <laughs>